We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. If you are a fan of the Buffalo Bills and you woke up on Sunday morning, this was, realistically speaking, about the best possible outcome that you could hope for realistically. Again, an absolutely dominant on both sides of the ball performance by the Buffalo Bills with, for all intents and purposes, their season on the line and the Bills delivered in a huge way on Sunday late afternoon, a completely dominant 31-10 victory over the Dallas Cowboys. The Bills are at 8-6 and six and full of life here, headed down the stretch. Welcome, everybody, to Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for everybody who's locking into this episode. Whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form, which if you are, hopefully you'll be doing that sometime on Monday. On the video side, this is actually streaming live right now on YouTube. Um, if you could watch this on either YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter, but if you jump on YouTube or Facebook, you'd be able to get some comments in. I'll try to get them on the show. Uh, before I get into the game, real quick here, just a, a quick programming note. I am battling um, <clears throat> a really bad cough. This probably will not be a long show. I'm, I don't want to really talk too much, but I have no choice because I am solo. Normally, when I do these Bills post-game live shows, I'm with my partner, Tone Pucks, but Tone Pucks is out sick today. Woke up Sunday morning to a text from him that he was sick as hell and wasn't going to be able to do the show, which is funny because I have been completely under the weather for the last couple of days myself. And I had doubts whether I was going to be able to do this show today. Hopefully, I'll be able to get through it. I'll hit that mute button before I start coughing because I'm sure that's going to happen at some point. I don't want to sound like a, a complete idiot here on audio. But anyway, there was no way in hell that I was not going to jump on and record an episode, like I said, live on the video side, um, next day on the audio side with the Buffalo Bills and the way they played. This was, in my opinion, one of the most complete offense and defense 
dominating wins over a good football team that I can remember for the Buffalo Bills in recent memory. Now, this is the kind of game that we've seen plenty of during the Josh Allen era, during the Sean McDermott era, where the Bills go out, especially at home, and they just run roughshod over their opponent, completely dominate them. It's a track meet, and the Bills just dominate. But the difference is those are usually crappy teams, shitty quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks. What the Buffalo Bills did on Sunday cannot be understated. The season, again, for all intents and purposes, on the line, the Bills could not lose this game. And coming into Orchard Park on Sunday was a football team that was 10-3 on the season, a football team that had won their last five games in a row. And not only had they won their last five games in a row, but they averaged 40 points per game doing it. They dragged the Philadelphia Eagles last week, um, gave them a 30-point smashing. So coming into this game, everything was on the line for the Buffalo Bills. And whether you mean, you know, maybe you had some, at least to some extent, uh, some form of confidence. I certainly did coming into this game. I felt a little bit confident, but still, again, these are the Dallas Cowboys, a team that's 10 and three, literally unbeatable at home. They're seven and zero on the road uh, at home, but only three and three on the road. So, you know, that kind of gave you a little bit of hope. And it feels like to me from pretty much the opening kickoff, the Buffalo bills just physically dominated. And I'm not surprised the bills won. Uh, Anthony Marino and I both picked them to win on uh, our previous show last Thursday. I think I had them winning by two scores, maybe. But what I didn't expect was just a, a complete physical uh, domination. And again, I want to say I'm going to do my best because, again, I'm not feeling so great. But on the video side, if you're watching this on video anyway, uh, make sure you leave some comments or questions. I'll try to drop them into the show and um, and address them. And I'm kind of going here in real time, too. Uh, Leanne Cook, Cowboys versus Cook. The Bills showed all the other teams how to stop Micah Parsons. Don't throw the ball. Such a great win. Yeah, look, I'm going to get into some more comments and I'll get into some things specifically, but 100% um, on the button. Got to go over some of these game stats at first because you look at them and it's just, again, I'm, I'm not even surprised that the Bills won the game. I'm just I'm borderline shocked at how dominant they were in doing so. Looking at the statistics too, the Bills controlled the ball for more than 35 minutes during this football game. The Bills ran for 266 yards. Only gave up 89 yards rushing, but 266 yards on the ground. James Cook, who has, if he wasn't already, this was the James Cook game. This was the day where James Cook became a star, a bona fide star. Not just a guy, you know, that some people you hear about, you know, doing some nice things from, from other teams around the league. This is a guy who's becoming a stud. This is a guy who, and this is not necessarily a bad thing. This is kind of more of a compliment. This is not a diss towards Stefan Diggs, but James Cook is starting to become the guy, not counting Josh Allen, of course, but the main focus, the central guy in this Buffalo Bills offense where Stefan Diggs is almost kind of taking on a, a secondary role. And that's fine. That's not, again, that's not, a, that's not a knock at all to Stefan Diggs, one of the best receivers in the NFL. But it was imperative for the Buffalo Bills to become more balanced. And this is what Sean McDermott has wanted all along a team that can run the football. And you look at 266 yards on the ground. Cook, 179 yards rushing on 25 carries and a touchdown. Also caught two passes for 42 yards and a touchdown. One mistake during the game, which otherwise was a perfect game for Cook. He dropped what probably would have been a second touchdown pass, but whatever, who gives a shit? A phenomenal game for James Cook, who's just becoming a true star on this team and in the league. Uh, Ty Johnson, 
what a find he's become. It's incredible that he sat there on the practice squad in complete irrelevancy for weeks until Joe Brady becomes offensive coordinator. And from Joe Brady's first game as OC against the New York Jets, Ty Johnson has had a solid role with this team. He carried the ball nine times for 54 yards. And I'll tell you, he lowered his shoulder, man. He made some tough yards too. Very physical uh, game from Ty Johnson. But again, 266 yards rushing. I'll tell you what, man. I feel like Sean McDermott, if he's watching this right now live at home, he's probably sitting around right now in his underwear with a tank top on, with a big mess of Woody right now, and a big fat steak on his plate right now. Just loving life. This is the brand of football that Sean McDermott wants to have. Music, music to, to Sean McDermott's ears, man. It was it was just a, a fun game for him, the kind of game that I'm sure he wants uh, from his football team. But yeah, they ran the ball effectively. I don't want to say effectively. They ran the ball more than effectively. They ran the ball up and down Dallas's throats the entire game. Total yards, 351 for the Bills. 195 for Dallas. And you know what? That 195 for Dallas is kind of like bullshit too. 80 of those 195 came on that last garbage drive um, in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, where for some reason, Dallas, despite the fact the game is over and they're getting blown out, they leave all their offensive starters in the game, which was just really stupid. I mean, the game's lost. You got nothing to gain. You're trying to get some some uh, sympathy MVP stats for Dak Prescott. I don't know. I don't know what the, the message was. For Dallas there, but it felt to me like you had a lot more to lose in the game by getting a touchdown. But anyway, they did. They drove, you know, they, they got 80 yards on that last drive, which skews those stats a little bit because in reality, it was even more dominant for the Bills. And when you look at the Bills' touchdown drive, so they had four touchdown drives during this game, and they weren't quick-hitting plays. You know, it was no long downfield bombs, you know, no 80-yard run, no, no defensive uh, turnovers for a touchdown, no punt return or kick return. The Bills' four touchdowns, especially the first three, were long, methodical, sustained drives. So impressive. 12 plays, 75 yards on their first touchdown. 11 plays, 86 yards on their second touchdown. 11 plays, 76 yards on their third touchdown. And then on their last touchdown, it was only a six-play uh, 57 yard drive. Just again, long, sustainable drive for the Buffalo Bills all afternoon long. I'm kind of like, again, if you're listening on the audio, you really don't notice anything on the video side. I'm kind of looking, you know, back and forth to the comments, trying to get some up here that I'll throw up on the screen. Now, Ben Pryor says the Bills showed that amazing Dallas defense. Yeah, you know, the look, the Dallas defense is good. <laughs> they came into this game pretty damn good. Uh, Daniel says the Bills ran the ball dominantly. Well, they sure did. 266 yards, 25 carries by James Cook for a, a buck 79, man. That's just, uh, that's what you got to do. The Green Light Channel says grinding, playoff football. This was playoff football today because quite literally, again, this was, Josh Allen has been saying it for two weeks. And a lot of times a quarterback will say something and you're like, whatever, man. But he's saying the Bills have been treating these like playoff games which they should, because guess what? They are. This was essentially a playoff game for the Buffalo Bills. And man, did they ever respond? And I'll tell you this much too. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and again, if you're if you're live on the video side, you want to chime in with, with some comments. Maybe you got some takes on this too. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, 
right now, and it's Sunday night. That's when we're we're streaming this. We're taping this. I'm pretty annoyed with my team because in the first half, I mean, you look at the stats, and I and I continue, and I will you know go to my grapes. And the Bills just dominated this game physically, especially running the ball. They cannot be overstated enough. I haven't even gotten the offensive line yet, by the way. I'll get to them in a few minutes. But if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, I'm thinking to myself, how dumb are we? Like, how stupid of a game did we play given the Bills opportunities to get so far on in front, which to the Bills' credit, they took advantage of, that the Dallas Cowboys became extremely um, one-dimensional. You look at the Bills' three touchdowns in the first half. The Bills scored three touchdowns in the first half. All three of those touchdowns were aided in a huge way by big, big, big Dallas Cowboy boneheaded mistakes. I mean, let's just call them what they are. Uh, the Bills' first touchdown, it's third and, I believe it was third and goal. Josh Allen throws an incomplete pass. He, he's rushed, he's pressured, he throws the ball. Almost looked like he was throwing away. It wasn't even close to Stefan Diggs in the end zone. And there's a flag because Lawrence hit him high and hit him late. And it was the right call, too. You know, it's not like bad. There was no bad officiating going on in these games. These penalties were clear, stupid Dallas penalties. So anyway, that first drive, Dallas gets a stop. They would have had to make the Bills uh, settle for a field goal. And Lawrence gets called for um for a late hit. And the Bills go in. And I think uh, Latavius Murray scored on that drive. So, yeah, so that's the Bills' first touchdown right there. On their, the Bills' second touchdown, Dallas actually stopped them. It was only 7-0 at the time, and Dallas was forcing a punt. The defense made a stop. The Bills go out to punt, and the guy uh, roughed the punter, rough Sam Martin. So that's, And it wasn't even running into the kicker. It was roughing the kicker because it was 4th and 8. would have been a 5-yard running into the kicker. The Bills still would have had to either punt again or just take on the 5 yards at the end of the play. But no, it was a personal foul penalty, and the Bills keep possession, and the Bills score a touchdown. And bam, now it's 14-0. 14-0 because the Dallas, while well, defense won, special teams the other time, huge mistakes on one on third, one on fourth down to just gift wrap the Buffalo Bills an opportunity to continue a possession. And then on the third touchdown, same deal, man. It's third down. Josh Allen throws a pass that sails high on Khalil Shakir, doesn't catch the ball, but he gets drilled from behind, kind of a little uh, shoulder to head hit. Bam, personal foul penalty on Dallas. Dallas keeps the ball, and I believe that was the drive where uh, either Josh Allen ran it. No, Josh Allen ran it, I think, the second one. The third one might have been James Cook catching a touchdown. That's exactly what it was. But anyway, my point is three consecutive times Dallas had Buffalo stopped, and three times they committed a inexcusable personal foul. It was like the Jordan Phillips special three times for the Dallas Cowboys, and the Bills, to their credit, Made them pay big. 21 points. I almost consider those, if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, to me, in my mind, those are uh, they're turnovers. Now, on the, on the stat sheet, they're not counted as turnovers. But again, in my mind, for all intents and purposes, that's three turnovers for the Dallas Cowboys in the first half. And they paid big time for it. Uh, the Greenlight Channel says, playing reckless. Yep, yep, sure. Ben Pryor is a Packers fan. I love to see McCarthy fail. Talk about head coach Mike McCarthy. I'll tell you what, going to get into that in a, in a few minutes, I, I'll say this, and it's funny because not a lot of people a couple of weeks ago would accuse Sean McDermott of out-coaching anybody. 
but he coached a flawless football game today. Sean McDermott was great today. I want to get to him more in a a minute. Josh Allen, this is the funny thing, all right? So I said at the very top of this podcast, if you would have woke up Sunday morning and said the best case realistic scenario, your Buffalo Bills are going to go out and they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys by three touchdowns. I guarantee you, one of, if not your next thought would have been, well, Josh Allen's probably doing for 300 yards, three touchdowns. He's going to completely outplay and embarrass Dak Prescott, and he's just going to piss all over the Cowboys defense, and that's how the, the offense is going to have a huge game. He scored 31 points, right? It's got to be Josh Allen just had a monster day. Well, no, no, he didn't. He didn't, and that's the craziest part. The Bills blew out the Dallas Cowboys, and Josh Allen statistically, let me make sure I say this right. Statistically, Josh ain't do shit. Seven of 15, 94 yards. That's it. That's it for the game. Um, well, he did have a touchdown pass. He did run for a touchdown too. A nice bully touchdown. Um, but yeah, that's it. Seven of 15 for just 94 yards. And it doesn't even matter, which is good for the bills because now you know, the whole thing for the last, I'd say, what, two, three years, folks? What do we say more than anything else? I know I do, and I guarantee a lot of you do as well. If the Bills are going to be a Super Bowl team, if the Bills are going to beat the good teams, if they're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys of the world, you're going to do it because Josh Allen's going to have to play like an MVP. Well, Josh Allen statistically did not... uh he didn't play anywhere near close to an MVP level, but it didn't matter. It did not matter. Um, I'll tell you one good thing, though, and this does matter. Nine games in a row with an interception. That streak came to an end today. So if you're looking for something statistically to give the nod to Josh Allen, that was big because for nine straight games, even though one or two of them were like Hail Marys, where that ended up being the only interception, but you get the 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 spirit of the point. Josh Allen has had some pretty brutal turnovers. And when you're dominating a team like the Bills did against Dallas today, the only hope, the only prayer that the Cowboys had was maybe Josh Allen gift wrapped in a pick six to Jerron Bland, who's got like five of them this year. So Josh didn't do that. He avoided the turnover. So that was good on his part. Josh definitely had uh, the funniest quote post game as well during the press conference. Uh, He was at the podium and he said, I'm paraphrasing, but only slightly. He says he feels like he's the the kid who didn't do anything on the project. But um, he said, I got the corner in front of me now. I felt like I, he did nothing in a group project, but he still got an A. <laughs> that is true. That was Josh Allen in a nutshell. But like I said, he didn't turn the ball over. Um, he didn't audible out of calls. He didn't get greedy. He didn't get selfish. On this day, that's the only thing you needed from uh, Josh Allen because this game was all about the trenches. Game was all about the trenches. And man, did the Bills just, uh, they just dominated on both sides of the ball. Oscar Weaver, you got to go with the hot hand today. Cook was in uh, the effing zone. Yeah, he was. I mean, look, you, you go in a game like today and J- James Cook, I don't know what the stats are in front of me because again, I'm doing this in real time. I don't really have time to... uh to go through the stats for the whole league. But James Cook, I guarantee you right now, is in the top two or three in the NFL in total yards from from scrimmage, certainly among running backs. This was his 
this was his coming out party for the league. I think a lot of people in Buffalo already know the type of player that James Cook is or the type of player, at least, that James Cook can be. And I think this was the day where James Cook really put the league on notice. And by the way, before I get to a quick break here, lots of credit to, to Joe Brady. Cannot credit it enough. Commitment to the run. It was obvious watching the game early on. It was obvious when the Bills were throwing the ball early that every time Josh had to throw the football, there was pressure. I think he got sacked once. He escaped a couple sacks as well, but he was getting pressured a lot. You can only say a lot to an extent because we don't do the ball 15 times uh, for the game. But it was apparent early on that that Dallas pass rush was going to have success against the Buffalo Bills pass blocking. Not surprising considering on the other side of the football is Micah Parsons, who literally might be the most dominant defensive player um, in the game today. And I got to give Kevin Burkhardt from Fox Sports a lot of credit. He said it sometime in uh, in the third quarter. You know, what better way to to neutralize Micah Parsons than to just keep running the football right at him? And that's what the Bills did. They ran 49 times. Micah Parsons, again, some people might even consider him one of the top two or three most valuable players in the entire league on either side of the football. Zero tackles, zero tackles for a loss zero sacks and just two assisted tackles for the game. So just an, uh, you know, an, an awesome game and awesome showing for the Buffalo Bills offensive line for uh, Joe Brady and his play calls, staying patient, staying committed to the run. And uh, here's what I'm going to do real quick. Cause I got some comments coming in as well. I'm gonna take a real quick break, come back. I'm gonna talk about the defense and then we'll talk about Sean McDermott because you know what? There's a lot, a lot of people with a lot of strong opinions, including myself, on Sean McDermott over the past couple of weeks. We'll address that a little bit, and then we're going to give him some shine, some flowers, because if there's ever a day where Sean McDermott deserves the praise and deserves that shine and those flowers, it's right now. Be right back in about literally five seconds. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, I'm back here putting uh, a bow, so to speak, on a dominant Buffalo Bills victory over the Dallas Cowboys to keep the Bills very, very, very much alive in the AFC playoff race. We'll get to that, you know, how their teams fared and stuff like that in just a couple of minutes as well. If you're watching this on the video side on YouTube, I'm doing this live I'm by myself. Usually I got my partner, Tell Fox, with me, which makes trying to sift through the comments a little bit easier because often tone will be talking and then i got an opportunity to kind of go through the comments and try to get a couple of them up there but now since i'm trying to run my mouth not cough all over the place here and uh keep up with some comments myself a little bit difficult but doing my best man doing my best let's talk about the bills defense i could have started the show about the defense and you can't say enough good things about the buffalo bills defense which by the way we all know about you know the, the major injuries that they've been playing are trying to get over for quite a while now. Matt Milano and Daquan Jones, two huge losses. Well, the Bills last week in the game against Kansas City suffered two big more losses. Micah Hyde did not play this game. Who knows when he'll be back? AJ Vanessa, who's been, you know, a stud for the Bills in a death role. He was out for this game as well. So the Bills came into this game, you know, kind of shorthanded here. On defense, and again, playing an offense that's averaged 40 a week for the last five games, and the Bills' defense played fantastic. They tackled very well. This might be the best tackling game I've seen, and I can't wait for the PFF Pro Football Focus grades to come out this week. A lot of guys who, week to week, it seems they get complete shit grades for tackling. The team has had a pretty shitty tackling grade this season. I'd be willing to bet this is one of and maybe even their best tackling performance of the season. They did not leave many tackles on the field at all. I thought they covered CeeDee Lamb exceptionally well. You know, you go into this game and you see Micah Parsons on one side of the football and you see CeeDee Lamb on the other side of the football and you're like, these guys are game wreckers, man. These are the guys on both sides of the ball that can take over a game. They can dominate a game and they can single-handedly beat you. Neither of them really did anything, which again, leads to more credit for Sean McDermott. I mean, that's like some Bill Belichick shit where Bill Belichick takes away the best players and makes somebody else beat you. Kind of what the Bills did today on both sides. C.D. Lamb had seven catches for just 53 yards and three catches and 15 yards came on that last bullshit, you know, garbage uh, time drive that Dallas scored on uh, near the end of the game. I thought they, the coverage was really good. I thought they were getting into where they needed to be in their zone coverage really well. Nobody was getting over the top. They took one or two shots, no success going down the field. And when Dallas, who started throwing the ball underneath a lot more, when they caught the ball, again, going back to the tackling, the defense was there. They were swarming in the football, man. The Bills did not give up a lot of yards after catch. So the defense tackling, uh, the defense, their physicality up front, I thought it was really impressive. And again, I'm kind of going back and forth here between the comments and trying to keep my train of thought here. But yeah, man, I, I just thought this was considering the opponent, this was easily to me the best defensive effort of the season for the Buffalo Bills. And in terms of Sean McDermott, look, it's been a, it's been a, a whirlwind couple of weeks for Sean, for sure. Um, I think, you know, before we even get to the Tyler Dunn article that the bombshell from a couple weeks ago, which I actually think has affected this team more on that in a second too. 
But before that article even dropped, I think it's fair to say that a lot of fans, probably some of you who are listening or watching to this show or watching this show right now, I'm going to include myself, that to some extent, at least, we're calling for Sean McDermott's head after that Philadelphia game. And that's fair. The Bills, even though now they've won two in a row, so they're eight and six, but the Bills after that Philly game were six and six. And you're looking at this roster, and pardon my French, but you're saying, how the fuck does this go on? How does this happen? How is this football team with all this talent and a lot of chump teams on the schedule that they played? How are we just six and six? And you go to some of the games that they lost. The fact that not once, not twice, but three times the Bills offense, which played like shit for a lot of this season, still took a lead inside the final two minutes. And Sean McDermott's, because he's the, he's responsible for his defense, that defense coughed up the lead and they lost three times in the first 12 games. And quite frankly, even last week against Kansas City, I thought the Bills played a good game, a very spirited game, but you can make a very, very fair point that if Kadarius Toney is not stupid and he doesn't line off offsides, the Bills defense gives up another lead inside of two minutes. I don't want to cough, you know, write that off as a loss because Josh would have had the ball and they at least would have had a chance to win the game. But you get my point, man. You get my point. The Sean McDermott coach defense has choked away games that they should have never choked away. And it's not just the defense because the offense played like shit. I mean, we're all old enough to remember Ken Dorsey as OC and the Bills offense basically sleepwalking through first halves of games. But anyway, my point is, Sean McDermott had done enough in terms of blowing leads and just that Philly game, shit in his pants at the end of the game, you know, from wasting a timeout before a field goal to having one of the best quarterbacks on earth, have a ball and you have at least one timeout and you should have had two, you at least give him an opportunity to win a game to not going for it on fourth down in overtime where you know your defense can't stop them and you settle for a field goal. I don't want to rehash and relive all this shit again, but you get my point, folks. It was very fair at six and six. And at the time, see, I think the Bills had like a 15% chance for the New York Times of even making the playoffs at that point. It was very fair to want to call for Sean McDermott's head. And I don't think he ever was going to get fired no matter what, but it was fair to call for his head to say, we need to move on. It's fair. It was fair to say, it felt fair to say at the time, this is a coach who's probably taking this team as far as he's going to go. This team's not going to go any farther with Sean McDermott as their head coach. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think that was very fair to say. And then the, the Tyler Dunn series drops. And my take, and I will not walk it back, is I support Tyler Dunn. I think Tyler Dunn is one of the best sports long-form journalists in this country. And I know him personally, and I know he's a great dude. And he wasn't writing some butchering, sabotage, season, get the coach fired kind of piece. And a lot of people were losing their minds about the story and about how personal it got. And look, when I say I support Tyler Dunn, I support him, the person and the premise of, of him writing the story. That's not to say I agree with every single thing in the story. And there's 21,000 words in it. I'm not going to agree with everything that he has to say. But you get the whole personal thing. And I don't want it for like the, it feels like, I don't know, the 10th podcast in a row. And I'll start going off on a personal tangent 
about that. But here's my point. No matter how you feel about the article, whether you feel the article was justified, whether you feel the timing was justified, whether you feel the content, the substance was justified, no matter how you feel about it, I feel like one thing has happened from that article to me that's indisputable. And that's this. This football team over the past two games for sure, because it's been two games since that article dropped, is completely galvanized. They have rallied around Sean McDermott, this football team. You know, that article drops on a Thursday. Sean McDermott's in front of the, the podium on a Friday addressing the 9-11 speech. They're going into Kansas City after probably stewing that they found a way to blow that game in Philadelphia, which they dominated for most of the game. They should have never lost that game, but they did. Not to mention the Denver game before that. They're probably stewing over there, and it's, it would have been easy to say, you know what, this just ain't our freaking year. They go into Kansas City, who was looking to have, make a, have a statement game of their own because the Kansas City offense has played like shit most of the year. And the Bills going to Kansas City, and regardless of you know Kansas City shooting themselves in the foot in the final two minutes, the Bills played a good football game, and the Bills left Kansas City with a W, and they deserved it. And you saw the post game, man. Brandon Bean hands Sean McDermott the game ball. Talk about a couple of tough fucking weeks. And Terry Bagula's in the back smiling. You can see him in the background, which at that point, folks, any of you who had dreams of Sean McDermott getting fired, I'm like, that shit ain't never happening. Not this year anyway. But my point is, that was a rallying point for Sean McDermott. And I'm starting to feel like that wasn't just a one game. Let's get behind the coach. I'm starting to feel like that was a rallying point for this football team this season. You know, I've never played football at a at high enough level to really know how much like bulletin board material really matters, but I've talked to players and they say that it does. And usually it's the other team, you know, that, that says some dumb shit that you end up putting up on the bulletin board and you kind of rally around that a little bit. But this felt, which I don't, again, I don't agree with and I won't agree with because I just know Tyler Dunn as, as a human being, not to mention, you know, an elite writer that he is. But I think the Bills took this as a rallying point. And I think it really has mattered um, these last two weeks. This team looks locked. They look locked in right now. It kind of, it could get annoying because you're like, well, where was this earlier in the season? Because this looks right now, these last two games, and especially against Dallas, this looks to me, like if I were to make a, a power rankings right now, the top 32 teams in the NFL, and I were going to throw out records or any of that shit, and I was going to, sorry, I was coughing there for a second. And I was going to throw up, like I said, top 32 teams right now in the NFL, regardless of record, I probably have the Bills number two right now, I think. Maybe I'm being slightly homerish, but not by much. San Francisco is number one. But right now, as things stand today, when you're hearing this podcast, when you're watching it, when you're listening to it, tell me a team in the NFL right now that you think is better than the Buffalo Bills besides the San Francisco 49ers. I really don't. Baltimore's playing right now. Who knows how that game turns out? They're certainly in the conversation. The Philadelphia Eagles are in the conversation. And sure, they beat the Bills. But again, I thought the Bills 
for the most part, dominated the Eagles, and they should have won that game. We saw Philly get curb stomped last week by Dallas, who got curb stomped by Buffalo this week. I'm just, I'm feeling like right now I put San Francisco number one and I put Buffalo number two. And it's just, it's crazy, crazy. Le- Leanne King agrees. Says, yep, 49ers, that's it. It's crazy because there's a legitimate chance right now that the Bills don't even make the playoffs. And that's the shit that's, that's where it blows your mind. And that's where I come back to getting mad at Sean McDermott because this offense was so broken earlier in the season. And it's becoming quite apparent now that all along the the key was Joe Brady. And uh, it's easy to, to, you know, to play armchair quarterback. It's easy to have hindsight, the power hindsight always rules, but man, oh man, you got to feel like if Joe Brady was in charge that you don't lose you don't lose to Denver. Uh, you, you don't go on the road. You don't lose to New England. And just one of those games, just one of those games. But, you know, circling back to Sean McDermott, the rallying cry, and I, I truly believe in that. And I think Sean McDermott, again, man, he was phenomenal. To you. you know, James Cook was my star of the game. My second star of the game, like if this was hockey and you're giving out three stars, and I know in hockey it always goes to the players, but whatever, man, let me have a little bit, little bit of fun with this. My first star is James Cook. My second star of the game is Sean McDermott. I love Sean McDermott's game plan, his execution, his defense. I remember one play specifically, Dallas was driving for a touchdown and it was like second and one and a half maybe. And he queued up a perfect run blitz call by Taylor Rapp. And Taylor Rapp hit Pollard. I think it was Pollard in the backfield for like a two and a half yard loss. Then the Bills got to stop on third down and made Dallas kick a field goal. That was their only points of the game until that last garbage touchdown drive. Anyway, Sean McDermott, to me, was the second star of the game. But I still go back. I still go back to saying that Denver game is the one. That Denver game is the one because it was over. You know, the New England game, the offense played like shit. The defense blew it at the end. The Jacksonville game, you know, you got there late. You came out flat. The Jets, you lost to Zach Wilson in the opener. You should, that should never happen. And that's all true right now. It really is. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are the only game this entire season where the, uh, the opponent just came out there and beat the shit out of the Bills and conventionally won the game where there's not really any doubt about it. But that Denver game, man, that's the one. Because the game was over. All the mistakes you made, none of that shit mattered. The guy missed a field goal. The clock read... Zero, 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 and the game was over, but you had a penalty for too many men on the field. That stings. It still stings. It still hurts. That potentially could cost the Bills anything ranging from a wild card spot, worst case scenario, to the division. Hell, man, the way things are looking, other teams are going down. It could not have causing them whole field advantage. Who knows? But I pinned that on Sean McDermott because he used two timeouts and you got to communicate with your special teams coach, make sure he's communicating to the players who's supposed to be out there, who's not supposed to be out there. And I remember that game because two guys who get on defense that came off were Rasul Douglas and uh, Linval Joseph, who were fucking brand new to the team. And they knew to get off the field, but Leonard Floyd didn't. To me, that's coaching and not communicating. So anyway, there's a lot of shit to be mad about Sean McDermott over. But at the same token, I think what matters right now is this team is starting to play their best football at the right time. And I think they are truly rallying around Sean McDermott. And I think there's a little bit of humbleness 
over these last handful of pressers that I've heard Sean speak of, a little bit hot in the locker room after the, the W's, the podium like midweek, also a little bit of humbleness. I think he's, I think, you know, last week when he said he felt the support from fans and from his from his players, the, the organization, but also fans, the community. I, I think he believe that's not coach speak. I think he's genuine. I think he truly, I think that he truly, truly means that. Um, it's hard to get, hold on. I want to get to a couple comments here. Ron Dawson says, how about Dion wearing a cowboy hat for his post-game interview? Uh, I, I didn't see that. What about Dion pa Pancake? He was one of our stars. He was. You know who else was a star? All four of the other offensive linemen when it comes to run blocking. That offensive line was opening up holes. Now, look, James Cook, and to a smaller extent, Ty Johnson had great vision, made some guys miss, some nice cuts, hitting the holes hard. But you got to give it up to the to the Buffalo Bills offensive line because, you know, this is a, a unit that comes into this game. It's the way it's been most of the season where they excel more in pass blocking. You know, Josh Allen throws the ball so much and he doesn't get sacked a lot. Now, some of that is Josh and his escapability. But to an, an, to Elisa, some extent, it's also the offensive line giving him a lot more time to throw the football. Conversely, the Bills' run um, blocking this year has been pretty shitty. It's been pretty shitty. The grades have been bad on PFF. They haven't looked really good in film. Not the case today, man. I cannot wait to, whether it's sometime on Monday or maybe Tuesday at the latest, to be able to dive into this film and just look at it. Because I'll tell you right now, you mentioned Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown as well. These guys were opening up some holes. Uh, the rookie, Osiris Torres, played pretty damn well, too. I know I know there was one pass rush where Micah Parsons made him look really, really bad. Josh barely escaped the sack there. But run blocking-wise, this offensive line, man, they were beastly. It, it was a lot of fun to watch. And usually when we do a post game when I'm here with Tone Pucks, we usually like, you know, the good and then the bad. And it's pretty easy the way the Bills have been up and down all season to find – um, at least even in the W's, a, a fair amount of bad, but that ain't been the case. Not today. What, what was bad about this football team and what was really bad about this game uh, Sunday afternoon? You'd be really hard pressed. Even the guys that I am exceptionally hard on, which I feel for the most part is for good reason, but even the guys that I'm the roughest towards, the most harshest towards, with my critiques and my takes, I had good games today. You know, Tyrell Dodson, man, I, and I, I'm not going to lie. He had one really dumb uh, personal foul penalty on a, on a hit when Dak Prescott, I don't know if he was sliding or not, but whether he was or not, he kind of hit him around the head and it was an absolute penalty. And I also got mad. One play Pollard ran for five or six yards on first down and Dodson got the stop and then he got up and started flexing. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? I hate that shit. But anyway, let me get to my point here. I'm hating on somebody when I'm saying I don't want to hate on them. Tyrell Dodson played a pretty damn good game today. He played a good football game today, man. He was good in coverage. He was physical, made some stops in the run. I thought he played really well. Jordan Phillips, who's been maybe my biggest punching bag on the team this season, at least certainly on the defense, which to be fair, again, for good measure, dude has like the second lowest overall grade per PFF and the second lowest tackling grade of any defensive tackle in the entire NFL who's played at least 20% of their team snaps this whole season. He's been awful. Well, he was really, really good against Dallas today. Really good, man. He had a sack. 
He almost had an interception, which I wanted to yell at him over because, again, some people, you know, some players just don't please me, I guess. But it was a tip ball. It was a tough play for a big-ass defensive tackle to make. Anyway, my point is this. Jordan Phillips balled today, man. He was really, really, really good. And then even Vaughn Miller, he did a couple of nice things as well. Now, yeah, sure. You'll see it. You saw it with your own eyes during the game. I'm sure it's going to show up some on film. He's mailing it in on some plays. You can just tell some plays he's not going 100%. Doesn't want to take a chance. Wants to save whatever juice he's got. I don't know. But more and more, and we saw it in the late in the Kansas City game. We saw it a couple times against Dallas here on Sunday as well. He's turning it up now. You can start to see that the pass rush is getting there a couple times. Just barely missed his first full sack of the season. He had his arms around Dak. Dak was able to escape, but I love Von Miller played good. So again, my normal weekly, oh, this guy sucked, this guy, this guy sucked. No, Terrell Dotson, good. Uh, Jordan Phillips, really, really good. And, and Vaughn Miller was plenty good as well. And one other guy who's pretty good most of the time, and I want to give him so, some flowers specifically. I know I'm supposed to be talking about the bad right now, but I can't find bad. Teron Johnson, this guy is a Pro Bowl slot corner. He is, without question, one of the most underrated defensive backs in the NFL. Everywhere the ball was today, he was right around it. Did he give up some catches in front of him? Sure. Who gives a shit? Nothing hurt him today. He, he didn't hurt this team in any way, shape, or form. He had some really good run blitz stops. He had a couple good open field tackles. His coverage was right there. And when a Dallas receiver caught the ball, no yards after catch. Teron Johnson was sensational on Sunday against Dallas. And Teron Johnson to me, without question, is one of the most underrated players in the entire NFL, and he is certainly one of the best slot corners, if not cornerbacks, period, in the entire NFL. I thought he was really, really good against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but anyway, back to the bad. And I just, I'm struggling. I really am. I'm struggling to find anything about this team that there wasn't to like. I suppose... If I'm being nitpicky, and I'm admittedly I'm getting into really nitpicky territory because it really didn't hurt them. But uh, Dalton Kincaid, first quarter, he dropped two passes, and they showed uh, they had rain gloves on, even though at the time it wasn't wet and the gloves weren't wet enough. So it looked like maybe at least he was blaming them because they showed him switching gloves and put on white gloves after that. Don't know if it would have worked or not because he didn't have a target after that game, but or after uh, the second drop. But um, yeah, he had two drops. So from being nitpicky. Not a great day for for Dalton Kincaid, and then I guess the only other one is um, and now it's almost, you know, it's almost too easy at this point. Gabe Davis, you know, Josh Allen only threw one deep ball this whole game, and it was on a second and two, and it was the Gabe Davis, and it wasn't a great throw, but it just felt like Gabe Davis could have tracked the ball because he did have him. He was behind him, he just didn't track the ball, and it fell harmlessly for an incomplete pass and. You know, it's it's really tough at, at this point because the way the Bills' offense is 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 working right now, it's James Cook and it's Stephon Diggs, and even though not today, but it it's um it's Kincaid. He's probably their third weapon. You know, Shakir's done some good things. Gabe Davis and that wide receiver two position really hasn't mattered, but. It's just become too much of a pattern. At some point, you got to say, maybe it is the player. Now, we've seen some film. I think it was last week against Kansas City. He was wide open, and Josh Allen just missed him. Would have been a touchdown. But still, take that play away. 
Gabe Davis, who, by the way, if you're into fantasy football and you're in the playoffs and you start Gabe Davis, you're probably in a lot of trouble, man. Um, no catches. This was his second trade game with no catches. This was the third time in his last four games where he's had zero catches. He's only had eight catches in his past six games. And uh, six of those catches came against the Philadelphia Eagles a couple weeks ago. He had 105 yards that game as well. So, yeah, man, if you're being nitpicky, you'd like to see a little more from Kincaid. Uh, you'd like to see Gabe Davis even catch a football. But it's just a weird day. Again, Josh only completed, what, seven passes. Forward to Stefan Diggs, who, by the way, went over 1,000 yards for uh, his fourth straight season to set a Bills team record. History of the franchise, including Andre Reid or Eric Moulds, no, uh, no Bills player had ever went over 1,000 yards for four straight years. And I apologize for anybody who's watching this live, um, either on Facebook or on YouTube. I see comments coming in, and that's kind of like if you're watching on the video side, my eyes are kind of wandering. It's just it's, it's getting hard to see them, and they're not, for whatever reason, they're not um, being shown by the order that they're received, which is kind of messing me up as to. Ron Dawson, the Dawson or the Davis effort on that throw was questionable. Yeah, look, man, I don't, I'm not going to say the effort was questionable. So I don't completely agree with you there, Ron. I'd say because saying the effort was questionable makes it sound like he's not out there trying 100%. And I don't believe that's the case with Gabe Davis. Um, I think he's out there playing as hard as he can. Uh, he's trying to block as best as he can. He's trying to be useful. He's a, a team captain for whatever that's worth, which to the players is definitely, um, is definitely worth something. So I wouldn't say that the effort is questionable. What I'll say is that at this point, maybe the skill set is questionable. You know, this guy just doesn't seem to have an ability to track a football like that. I don't know. So I wouldn't say the effort, but I would definitely say the uh, the ability to to make those kind of plays that you want a wide receiver to to make. And I'm not going to get into any offseason talk, which is funny because two weeks ago. Before the Bills went to Kansas City, I ain't gonna lie to you, man. I started doing some mock draft simulators. I started taking a peek into 2024 offseason free agents, you know, cap savings, who might stay, who might go on the Buffalo Bills, because it felt after the Denver loss, and then especially after the uh after the Philadelphia heartbreaking loss, it certainly felt to me like that. You know, the season was off the rails for all intents and purposes. It was over and, uh, you know, it's time to start looking into the offseason. But fuck that. That's not happening now. This is now an eight and six football team that has two extremely winnable games coming up before their finale. In fact, I think I saw right before I went on the stream live on the video side that the Bills are opening up as 14 point favorites on the road next Saturday night against the Chargers. Uh, one last thing before I get out of here. Anyone watching who's, you know, your, your, your scoreboard watching around the league, and this is the really frustrating part, but the Bills have nobody to blame for this but themselves at the end of the day. You know, they put themselves in this position because they went into New England and took the day off and found a way to lose to the lowly Patriots. And again, going back to that Denver game, which I will lament over and over and over, until this regular season's over and the Bills make the playoffs. If they do that, then it's time to, to you know, stop beating that dead horse. But I'm not going to until that. Anyway, my point is those losses, were, which is just, you know, they're inexcusable losses. 
This is why you're you're limiting dying through scoreboard watching, which sucks. And this weekend was specifically, or you know, especially I should say, really fucking annoying to watch. You know, you're sitting in there Saturday. I went out for lunch with my wife on Saturday afternoon, and the Bengals are playing and they're getting smoked. They're down to the to the Vikings. I think they were down 17 to three. They come back, they force overtime, and they win. That really sucked. Um, watch the Chicago Bears today blow a 17-7 lead um, at Cleveland. That game looked like it should have been over, and you let Joe Flacco come back and, and beat you. That's really frustrating. Uh, the Houston Texans without C.J. Stroud, they're down uh, two scores in the second half against the Tennessee Titans on the road, and they find a way to come back. That sucks. If you're a Bills fan, that's not the outcomes that you're looking for. And it's tough to be able to, you know, to have to sit there and have your, 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 your the fate of your season relying on shitty football teams like the fucking Chicago Bears or the Tennessee Titans to bail you out of inexcusable losses against Denver and against New England. Or, you know, Minnesota's record isn't bad, but. They're not a good football team, and they got a bum at quarterback, Nick Mullins, who completely shit himself down the stretch of that Cincy game, by the way. I mean, that was hard to watch. can't even imagine if I was a Vikings fan having to watch that. That shit was just hard to watch, man. But anyway, uh, Michael Parthas says, the Bills were two OT losses, Bengals and Texans, from being in a playoff spot right now. Sure, that's what I'm getting at, though. Mike, that's that's my point. You're You're having to rely on shitty teams. The Bengals and Texas lose those games. The Bills are sending a playoff spot as you're listening to this. The problem is you're having to root for, you know, the Tennessee Titans and you're having to root for the Minnesota Vikings, who just like last year, who had a great record this year, their record's mediocre and they're the same frauds they are this year as they were last year. So, you know, it, it's, that's, that's the price you pay when you lose winnable games or games, forget winnable games. You know, New England's a winnable game that they lost. Um, the Jets are a winnable game that they lost. The Denver game was over. It was over, man. There were zero seconds left on the clock. The game was like quite literally over. And then they had a penalty and then they lost the game. So is it going to kill them at the end of the season? Who knows? What is obvious is that it's really frustrating to have to sit there and root for teams like Tennessee and Minnesota and Chicago to help you out, but that's just the way it is. That's the bad news. Here's the good news, folks. And then this is what we're going to wrap up with there. Here's the good news. The Buffalo Bills are playing the Chargers in Easton Stick next week. Road game or not, again, the Bills are two touchdown favorites. And then they come at home, return home, I should say, for their home finale against the New England Patriots. And I just can't fathom the Bills getting swept by the New England Patriots. I don't care if it's Bailey Zapp. I don't care if it's Mac Jones. I don't care if it's the fucking Steve Grogan. I don't care if it's Tony Eason. You ain't losing two in a row to the Patriots in the same season. You're just not, that's not going to happen. So anyway, that's from the Bills side over the next two weeks. Now you look at the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Dolphins have a current two game lead over the Buffalo Bills. However, the uh, Miami who smacked the shit out of the lowly Jets this week. I'm a little surprised about that. I thought the Jets would put up a better fight, especially without Tyreek Hill playing. But whatever, it is what it is. The Miami Dolphins over the next two weeks, they play this same Dallas Cowboys team that the Bills just slapped around here Sunday in Orchard Park. And you got to think, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, 
that you're going to look at this game and you're embarrassed and you're angry and you're also still playing for the NFC East. So they got a lot to play for. You got to think that Dallas is going to come out next week with something to prove and put forth a much more respectable effort in Miami, which again, you know, the weather to be fair in Buffalo was not bad at all on Sunday, but it's still not Dallas, Texas weather. They're going to Miami. Weather's not going to matter. You got to, you like to think that Dallas is going to put up a good fight. It's very plausible that the Cowboys can go into Miami and beat them. And if they don't, the following week, the Miami Dolphins go to Baltimore on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens, who might end up being the number one seed in the AFC. They have plenty to play for. They're a really good defense, and they're a good football team. And the Bills right now, they're two back in Miami. But if the Bills, assuming, of course, they beat the Chargers and the Patriots, and if you want to make the playoffs, I'm not even going to have a conversation with you where they lose one of those next two games because it just can't happen. So if the Bills win their next two and the Dolphins lose even just one of those two, Dallas at home, Baltimore on the road, either or, if Miami loses one of those football games, now you're talking week 18, regular season finale, Buffalo at Miami, not necessarily even for a wild card spot, quite literally under that scenario, if Miami loses one game, Baltimore or Dallas, that game's for the AFC East. So the Bills, if they get just a little bit of help from the team they just slapped around today or Baltimore, the Bills still have a very realistic possibility to win the division. And if they win the division, they're guaranteed at least one home football game in the playoffs. So it's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy three weeks. The Bills, as of things stand right now, aren't even in the playoffs. Three weeks from now, the Bills can win their division. Or they can make the wild card. Or they can be out of the playoffs. All three of those are completely realistic. It's nuts. But anyway, that's going to do this. I can't believe I got to do this episode without having at least one uh, coffin attack. Anyway, I want to thank everybody who's listening to this on the audio side. I want to thank everybody who chimed in on the live uh, YouTube version of this. Appreciate you very much. I will be back with another episode tomorrow. Christmas week, man. This is going to be a fun week here at Talking Buffalo. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Take care.